Bjorn, where are you? Come and share the word, please, that you felt. And Nosy, if you can come up as well, please. <clears throat> uh, church, um, we are going to preach the word soon. <clears throat> the word of God. Um, but before we do that, just to explain what's happening. Sorry, we just want to... <laughs> the Holy Spirit is really here and He wants to move among us and He wants to fill us this morning with power. He wants to break chains that hold us. He wants to, he wants to dominate uh, the sinful nature that is within us. He wants to break free for us today. So um, open your hearts. Listen to what is going to be said. Um, the, 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 the good news, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God. It is the power of God. And it will save you entirely. And we're going to be hearing the good news today. Are you ready? Okay, Bjorn, what did you feel from the Holy Spirit? Just take your mask off and that's fine. Okay. Um, I saw two pictures, so just bear with me. Um, the first picture was, it was almost like, just to paint a picture, I saw Jesus standing like in front of me. And behind him, there was just like clouds and light, and it just looked insanely beautiful. Um, think of like the best sunset ever, and you're standing in front of it. And uh, behind me, it just seemed very dark, and, and I had these chains on my wrist, like I couldn't, I couldn't move. And, um, and I was almost feeling like uncomfortable and restless, and, and I didn't know what to do. And, and I just saw Jesus, and I like, he started walking towards me, and as he came close, I just allowed him to come close. And as he came in front of me, he just... I actually saw he had a key and he started unlocking the chains. So I was like, okay. And, when he un- and then he unlocked them for me and they dropped. So that was the first picture. And then the second picture was I was in this field and it was like super hot and I was just getting really uncomfortable and my clothes were like sticking to me and I'm sweating and I'm actually feeling like I start feeling agitated because now I'm, I'm getting very, very uncomfortable. And um, I-, I just saw the Lord like pour milk on me. It sounds weird, but I just saw him pour milk on me. And as he started pouring it, it was like, it was cooling. And I, and I started calming down. And I was like, okay, Jesus, I've like, I, I got to let God do this. And as I let him do it, the, the more and more I calmed down. And then it snapped back to me being in the chains. And, and there was people around me. And this time, like, I let Jesus unlock me. And there was a few other people who was also loosening their chains. But there were some people, like, they were freaking out. And they're like waving their arms and they're, they're like they don't know what to do and they're actually so confused and Jesus is trying to knock these chains for them and they're just going like ah and you can't do it because they're not standing still and they're not letting him do it for them and then we were in the field again and there was also people and, and, I, and God had washed me with the milk and then there were some people that he had washed with the milk and then there were some people getting so agitated that they were just God was going like stand still and let me do this and they were just going like no nah. And they were trying to like take their tops off, and they're just like they're just getting angry. And now they now they're, it's just chaos, and and the Lord's not able to do what He needs to do. And I just felt the Lord going like, uh, not going like. I just felt Jesus say that we need to trust Him, and we need to let Him unlock those chains for us, and we need to let Him wash us with whatever He wants to, and bring peace over us. And it's 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 we almost get so caught up in the thing that's agitating us or that's holding us back from Jesus that we're not actually focusing on letting Jesus do what he needs to do. That we're focusing more on, oh my word, I've sinned and uh, the, the sin's so bad and it's, I'm not going, oh my word, Jesus, I need you to help me with this. Thank you, Bill. 
Nosey, do you mind it also shared, please, what the Lord gave Okay, the Lord gave me the scripture that is in First uh, Peter 5, verse 8 to 11, that says, uh, be alert um, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a, ro- a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist, um, re- resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the fa- you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you uh, to his eternal glory uh, in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, with himself uh, restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be, uh, be the power forever and ever. Amen. So I felt the Lord, um, I felt the Lord is, um, is saying that... Um, we need uh, to be careful of, of the enemy, and we need to know our enemy. Like um, when we, we, we have troubles, we have stress, we have anxiety, who do we run to? And, and, and I felt the word um, that to be of sober, of, of sober mind is not only for people that are being drunk with wine, but what you spend time uh, with. Like when we received Christ, we, we received eternal life. So I feel like God is saying, what are you doing with your, your, your eternity? So um, what, do, what do you spend time doing? Like, uh, when you, like I said, when you have anxiety, do you run to, uh, to social media? Do you run to, to like, uh, I, need to, I need more coffee or I need, or whatever you run to. But I just feel that Jesus this morning wants to be enough for us. He's saying, when you have those moments and have those times, run to me because the enemy is roaring, is, is roaring like a lion, wants somebody to devour. So he wants us to stand firm in our faith by running to him. And I feel that like this morning, he wants us to, to lay those things down that uh, when we have those moments, we run to. Who do you run to? The only person that we, we need to run to is Jesus, and he wants to be enough for us this morning. What are we filling ourselves with? What are we filling our minds with? Thank you, Mercy. Lord Jesus, I pray this morning that we would obey you, that we would simply come like Bjorn said and just put our shackles out to you. And say, please, would you unlock us? Would you set us free? That we wouldn't try to work to get rid of the heat and the itch and the agitation of our flesh. But that we would just come to you, Lord Jesus, by faith. And would you pour out your cleansing water? And cleanse us of all our sins. And Lord, I pray that you would teach us to be those who follow your spirit. And not those who follow the sinful nature and the enemy. 
I pray that we would find our comfort and our joy and our life and our peace in you. Holy Spirit, would you come speak to our hearts this morning? In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, last week we finished up, and I'm going to try to pick up from there, if that's okay. We finished up at the end of Romans chapter 7, where Paul was having this battle with himself. He, he realized that the law of God was good, and that God was good, and that God's requirements of him and of us were good and right. But he realized that as a sinful man, he kept on doing the opposite of what he agreed was good. When he wanted to obey God, he found himself disobeying God. When he wanted to do what was right, he found himself doing wrong. Even the thing that he, that he looked up to and loved and appreciated, he realized he couldn't do it. And, and his lament... Oh, what a miserable man I am. Who will set me free from this body of death? Hi, Dean and Desil. So nice to see you. Yeah, welcome home. Yeah, so nice to have you here. Just saw you. Who will help me? Because I can't do what you require of me, God. And we, I didn't want to leave you there last week. And so we started to look at Romans chapter 8. Which is the good news. And, and I'd love us to, to spend some time looking at that and understanding it. And, okay, let's just do it. Romans chapter 8, um, Lona came to me at the beginning and she said, what are the scriptures? I said, I have no idea. But here we go, Lona. New living faith is saying, thank you, Jesus, I'm not doing the... <clears throat> New Living Translation, Romans chapter 8, and let's go from from verse 1 and let's read it together. Wonderful. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. All of us have sinned. All of us continue to sin. All of us have fallen short of the requirement of the standard of God. All. All have sinned. Each one of us has turned like a sheep away from the shepherd to go his own way. All of us have this terrible problem of sin that we cannot solve. We have these shackles that we cannot open. We have this ongoing sinful nature that we can't overcome in our own strength. All of us have a terrible problem. But now... 
For those who belong to Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Let me use a different example. All of us have driven the car too fast. All of us have broken the speed limit. We were caught on the camera. And we are subject to trial. And all of us are brought into the courtroom. And the judge presiding sits over us and he looks at the evidence. And all of us are guilty. And it comes to the verdict when the judge declares. And he says, for those of you who belong to Christ Jesus, you are innocent. Wow. Wow. Do you know what, I, what sin I've committed? Do you know what I've done? Do you know how often I've done it? Do you know how terrible it was? If you belong to Christ, your sin is forgiven. It's gone. You are justified before God. You are made right in His sight. It's a free gift. You just need to believe in order to receive it. That's verse 1. But we all know that. That's why nobody's jumping up and down. It's such good news. I think so anyway. No, no. For the power of the life-giving Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, has freed you through Christ Jesus from the power of sin that leads to death. There are two powers. There's the power of the life-giving Spirit. I feel like I'm too loud. And there's the power of... Lona, you need to leave it up. The power of sin that leads to death. And these are conflicting powers. In your life, from the moment you're born until the moment you die, there is a sinful nature at work in you. Whether you've been saved or not, it's still there. And that sinful nature looks at the law of God. And, it's, and, and it sees the law that says, you shall love the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. It, it says, you shall obey your parents. You shall not commit adultery, commit murder. You shall not lie. You shall not steal. You shall. And it looks at the law, and it takes advantage of the law, and it makes you sin. And it traps you, and it chains you, and it binds you. And the power of sin is that it leads to death because the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. That's the power of sin. The power of sin is it takes the law and it wraps you in chains that you cannot break. That picture from beyond, it binds you. There's nothing you can do if you've sinned once, and every single one of us have sinned at least once. 
Is there anyone here who has never sinned? Oh, just checking. I wish somebody had put up their hand. Well done. Well done. Except I can't play the game with her. She's too beautiful and sweet and young. Okay. We've all sinned. And we're all in these chains. That's the power of sin. There's nothing we can do. We are not strong enough to break the power of sin. No matter how we try to work, no matter how we pull against it, no matter how good we try to be, we can never break free from that power. But the good news is there is a life-giving spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of God. And His power has set us free from the power of sin. That sounds amazing. But practically, how does it work? There's two ways that it works. And we're going to go into those two ways now. Okay, let's move on. The law of Moses could not save us. Because of our sinful nature. Hmm. Do, you think, do you think there's different kinds of New Living Translation? Loner man? <laughs> yeah, it's different. Do you have another New Living Translation? <laughs> Teaches me right from preaching from the New Living Translation, eh? Can I read you mine? The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. It doesn't matter. How much I tell you what the rules are, it doesn't help because your sinful nature just uses the rules to trap you. Your sinful nature can only respond to the rules antagonistically. It is wholly against the rules. And so God lovingly tells us, I am a good God. I am love. I am truth. I am life. Go this way. And our sinful nature says, thanks for telling me. And pulls us. And traps us. And so the law couldn't save us. We were bound under the law. In another place, I think it's in Hebrews, the Bible talks about how God put the law in place to be like a teacher or a tutor or a signpost for us. Because we come to the law, we read it, we encounter it, and we realize, I have a problem. That's the point of the law. It's like a light shining that shows you that your wound is open and it's bleeding and it's infected and it's sick. In the darkness, it just feels a bit like, oh, you know, I don't feel so good. But then when the light shines, you can see, oh my goodness, I have a problem. The light doesn't fix the problem. 
It just shows you that you have one. Do you understand? That's why we can't go to the law of God. We were, bu- we were busy in Matthew. And Jesus gets up in Matthew chapter 5 and he talks about blessed are these people. We've said that last week. If you haven't heard it, listen to it. And then he goes on and he says, and he starts to say, you've heard it said in the law, right? There was this light shining through the ages, the Ten Commandments. You've heard it said, you shall not murder. But I tell you, and he raises the standard. He turns the light to full brightness. Because the people knew that they shouldn't murder, but Jesus makes it worse. And I realized, I didn't realize I was a murderer at heart. I thought that was a different category of people. But those of you who get angry, you are murderers, Jesus said. And by the way, he says, you're going to hell. And then he moves on and he says, you've heard it said you should not commit adultery. And we're like, okay. I've seen what you did with the murder thing. And then he says, I tell you, if any of you looks lustfully at a woman, he has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then he says, and now we're like, okay, but is that serious? Okay, now the light is shining and it's like, okay, I can see I've got it, but is this serious? And he says, rather take your eye and pluck it out than for your whole body to go to hell. If your hand causes you to sin, rather cut it off than for your whole body to go to hell. You're like, oh my goodness, Lord, this is, this is, this is a very serious problem I have. It's not a lust problem. It's not a pornography problem. It's not an adultery problem. It's a hell problem. And at this point, the devil is going, Hey guys, squirrel, look over here. Ignore that. That, that was too hectic. Woo, look over here. And the whole world is distracting us from this major problem called hell. Called separation from God for eternity. That everyone is walking towards. Lona, we have to leave it up there? Even though it's the wrong version? There's now no condemnation. The law could not save us. The light in the surgery. You know those bright lights that shine on the wound? The light can't save you. The law couldn't save you. But it says the law was a tutor. And it points us to the one who can save To the only one who could save. Bjorn saw Jesus standing in front of him with the clouds and the stuff going on in the background, the light. And Jesus came and unlocked. Jesus is the surgeon that fixes the wound. Jesus is the one, the only one who can save. And it says, But God, and and why? Because of the weakness of our sinful nature. How many of you have tried to obey God and failed. Okay, we're in good company. But God put into effect a different plan to save us. 
He sent his own son in a human body like ours. I know you thought, okay, Jesus was holy and he, was, he never sinned because he, was, he had a different body to mine. He, his body was not tempted by chuckles. It wasn't. There were no chuckles at the time. He had a body just like ours, except that ours are sinful, and his was not. Jesus never sinned. God destroyed sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. God destroyed the power of sin over us by giving Jesus. You know, uh, now, hold on. It's important that we understand this bit. God destroyed the power of sin by giving Jesus as a sacrifice. Remember there's two powers? The power of sin? How did God destroy that power? Why do we stand here and lift up our hands and worship Jesus? And say, yours is the glory. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power forever and ever. Why do we praise him? Why is he worth it all? Why? Because he is the one who destroyed sin and death. How? He took the punishment upon himself. He took the penalty upon himself. He paid the price of the wrath of God that was ours, and he took it away from us. So now, when you stand accused by the accuser of the brethren, by the enemy that Nozzy was speaking about. He, he prowls around like a roaring lion. And he, he first tempts us. Hey, you know, it's been a long week, hasn't it? You've done nothing for yourself yet. Come on, you know, do whatever. I could list a thousand things. Comfort yourself. Feed yourself. Please yourself, entertain yourself. He tempts you first. And as soon as you give in to him, he turns around and he's like, you sinner. Isn't he a nice guy? When we stand accused, our advocate who paid the price stands in the way. When God looks at us, the Bible says he sees the spotless blood of the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world. And his blood cleanses us from all of our sins. And we stand... In a different place now. We don't stand in the... Is there, a, is there a, an, a, an accused box? 
in a courtroom. De the defendant. The, the, where the one who, who is accused, we no longer stand there anymore. We stand in a different place. Okay? That's the first way that he destroyed the power of sin. Why? Because the power of sin was that it had the ability to kill us for eternity. And it can no longer do that. That was its power. That was the trap. But the trap is opened. The power is dissipated. And we are free. We are free. I'm going to explain it in a lot more detail. Just wait. God destroyed sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Because every other religion teaches you, in order to get to God, you have to climb this hill. You need to leave behind these things and each step you take, you become more and more like Him and you become like God. And you, but the problem is, is that the hill is a two kilometer flat rock with no hand grips. There is no way we could get up it. But God destroyed the power of sin and He knocked that flat so that now we are restored in relationship with God. Our sins are forgiven. Completely. Okay let's move on. He did this. So that the requirement of the law. Would be fully accomplished. For us who no longer follow our sinful nature. But instead follow the spirit. Now there's something interesting. Coming into Romans chapter 8. The law. With all of its requirements. We could not meet those requirements. But, with, but because of what Christ has done, we now meet all the requirements. That's why Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, to accomplish it. Through the work of Christ, we are now righteous. We have fulfilled the law's requirements by believing in Christ. But it's interesting because this verse doesn't say that the just requirements of the law are fully accomplished or fulfilled in those of us who believe, does it? Does it? It says it's fully accomplished for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. And what I want you to start to see now is that there is this connection between belonging to Christ. Remember, there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. So that's one category. Can you say that with me? Belonging to Christ. Please say it. Belonging to Christ. In the same category as those who belong to Christ is those who have the Holy Spirit living in them. Stefan, I didn't say you can go anywhere. Yes, you may. We'll wait for you. 
I'm just playing, I'm just playing. Anybody else want to go to the bathroom? I'm just playing, I'm playing. We're good friends, you know, so I need to take advantage, you know, of my power with a mic. In that same first category of those who belong to Christ are those who have the Spirit of the living God living inside of them. The Holy Spirit dwelling, living within them. And in that same category are the people who follow the Spirit. Who follow the Spirit. In this category are those who do not belong to Christ. They belong to Satan. To the God of this age, to the king of this world. They belong to themselves, they think. They do not have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And they follow their own sinful nature. Are you with me so far? Two categories of people. Which category is those who follow the Spirit? Which category is they don't belong to Christ? Can you follow the Spirit and not belong to Christ? No. Okay, we're together. All right, let's read. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, which category is those? Can you help me, please? Okay. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature. Isn't it interesting? The, the word that God chooses to use. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature. Does anybody think it's nice to be dominated by something? To be dominated by something is to be forcefully controlled by something. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Okay? So there's, there's a kind of thinking that this category has. This category thinks about something in particular. What is that? Sinful things. In another version of the New Living Translation version... It says, they think about ways to fulfill their sinful desires. They think about the things of the sinful nature. Their minds, their thoughts, their contemplation, their ideas are all sinful. But, and then he moves to this side, those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit. Not dominated. Not dominated. Controlled. NIV says governed by. Those who follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. They think about things that please the Spirit. So you can tell in which camp you are. By what you what? By what you think. 
That's why Jesus said, it's not just what you do, but it's what you think in your heart that shows in which camp you are. So it's what you think that matters very, very much. Let's move on. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is death. These guys thinking leads to death. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is life and peace. Life and peace. Jesus said, the enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Many of you are saying, my goodness, this guy is going slowly. But the reason why I'm going slowly and why I'm saying this super step by step is so that you will understand it well. And then by understanding it, you will believe it. Because it is only by believing it that you will then have faith. And we'll get to that. Okay, let's move on. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. How often is the sinful nature hostile to God? Always. It's always hostile to God. And it never did obey God's laws and it never will. And so it doesn't matter if you're in this camp how long you keep on trying it never did, it never will. And, and it continues to say, that is why those who are controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. It's impossible to please God in this camp. Oh, that's what it just says that right next. That's why those who are still under the control of the sinful nature can never please God. I thought it was a bit late. Okay, verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. It's interesting because there's many of us who have the Spirit of God living in us. But we find ourselves often over here. Anybody? find themselves thinking about the things that please the sinful, thinking about sinful things, doing sinful things, leading to death. Anybody ever had the consequences in your life of that? But you are not controlled by your sinful nature if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them 
It says they are not Christians at all. It's the worst translation I've ever read in my life, Lona. My version says... What verse is it? Verse 9. Listen to this. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You're controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. If you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you and you are not controlled by Him, you don't belong to Christ at all. That's why there will be those on that day who say, Lord, Lord, I've heard of you. I heard your name. I thought it was nice. I saw what the guys were doing, the way they were living their lives. I tried to do that too. I did this and this and this in your name. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. Why? Because you, you don't have the Spirit of God living in you. You were never mine in the first place. Is it possible to live in this category and think you're in that category? Yes. Okay, let's go on. Since Christ lives within you, even though your body will die because of sin, your spirit is alive because you have been made right with God. Your, your, your body, your flesh is going to die. And some of some, the whole world is like, no, I want to be young forever. I want to be young and beautiful. I was never beautiful. I want to be young. But the Bible says, your body's going to die. And those who are in the spirit, they say, the sooner the better, Lord. The sooner the better. I can't wait to be freed from this body that wakes up with aches and pains because of him. Cricker, my trainer. Yes, he hurts me. Every morning I wake up, oh, I'm so stiff. Can't wait to wake up and be able to see without putting contact lenses in. Wait, wait, it's coming. You'll see. Joe, everywhere you walk, the wind goes. <laughs> Even though your body is going to die because of sin, it's decaying. Even though your body will die, your spirit is alive because Christ is in you. Let's move on. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You know that amazing power that moved in Christ in the tomb? Dead. Three days. And then life. The stone rolled away. The light shone out. I don't know if there was light. I assume there was. And Christ came out of the grave. And Mary went to go and look with Peter and them. 
And she was the first one there. And she's looked in the tomb and there's no one there. And she comes outside and there's this guy and he's standing. And it's in the early morning. The sun is just rising. And she thinks, yo, this guy is standing in front of the sun. I can't really see him that well. And she says, she thinks he's the God and I'm looking for my Lord. And he says, Mary. And he was alive. And the same Spirit that raised him from the dead lives inside of you. And he will give you life. He will not just give you life when you die, when he raises you again, which he will. He will give life to your mortal body. He will give you life now. I have come that you might have life. He will bring life into your personal walk. He will bring life into your relationship with your wife or your husband. He will bring life into your relationship with your kids. He will bring life into your friendships where there was death and destruction. He will bring life. Because your body is dying because of sin, but the Spirit of God lives in you and He will bring great life and power into your life. So, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation whatsoever to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. I'm going to tell you a story as an illustration. A couple of years back, in a country called Iraq, There was a dictator. There was a dominator of a, what was he, president? His name was Saddam Hussein. And he was the president. He was the dictator in Iraq. He was like a king. Remember we spoke about about a kingdom and a king? And the king has all the power. That's what it was like in Iraq. He was the king. Whatever he said went. He was above the law. He decided what the law was. And he dominated his people. Those of his family and his particular tribe had the the positions of power. They had all the wealth from the oil and everything that Iraq produced. And they I mean, they lived it up. He had this amazing palace from, in which he lived and from which he ruled. And, and, and he was, he was the, the king. When he drove past, people had to bow down. I mean, he dominated them. And people in Iraq lived there and their lives were dominated by fear. Because he paid people to turn one another in if there was anyone against him. And they would hang people in public who were against him. There was fear. And when his police came round and they told you, open the door, you open the door. And if they, whatever he said went. And then what happened, and I, and I have no idea the right or wrong of it, the politics of it, ignore all of that. But there were some documents that went out apparently to 
the US and to the UK and to the Allies that there were nuclear weapons. Weapons of mass destruction. You heard that before? And because of that as an excuse or as a reason, I don't know. I never, probably never will know until heaven. I'll just go and look in that file. <laughs> the armies of the U.S. and the Allies came. And uh, George W. Bush was the president of the United States at the time. Does anybody remember the name of the bombing attack on Baghdad? It was called, the, 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 the war was called Operation Desert Storm. But the bombing attack on, on Baghdad was called Shock and Awe. And they dropped from these huge B-52 bombers. And they basically blew the desert to pieces around Baghdad. And the people and the, and the Iraqi army were so terrified they walked out into the desert put their weapons down and got on their faces and surrendered because they realized they just need to fly that plane one kilometer closer and we are finished and the entire iraqi army surrendered and the u.s forces with their special whatever went in there and they captured his palace and everything like that and they tore and the, the people of iraq tore down the statue of Saddam Hussein, and there was rejoicing. And what happened is there was a change of power. The people were taken from the domination of Saddam to the relative freedom of the United States. And the, and the U.S. and the Allies put in a power structure and a government that was supposed to be in the interests of the people and look after them. And Okay. Every illustration breaks down. But the issue was that they were no longer dominated by Saddam. In fact, Saddam was tried and hanged. But the people had been dominated by him for so long that they thought they still, even though they were in this camp, they had to still obey the rules. They had been trained a certain way. They, the values, the, they had been, fear had been ingrained in the people. And so even though technically, legally, positionally, they were free, they didn't realize that they could stop living that way. And so when the U.S. military forces came and knocked on the door, the people were filled with fear because that was the only ever soldiers they had experienced was those who were going to take advantage of them and hurt them and dominate them. And so the soldiers came and they were bearing food and stuff like that. And they couldn't even get it to the people because no one would come out to them because they were still scared. 
And the illustration is the difference of what happens in our lives when we hear the good news. Jesus comes with his spirit and his power and he forgives us of all of our sins. And he gives us the power and the right to no longer submit ourselves to the urges or demands of the sinful nature. But often because we are so used to sinning, we're so used to obeying every uh, urge or desire of our flesh. We, by nature, continue. But what, what he does, what God does, is he puts his spirit to live inside of us. Who will speak to us and remind us of God's way. Of the right way. And he gives us his laws, so that we can read them and understand with our mind and our heart what He has done for us and what He now requires of us. And we now have the power to no longer submit to the urges of the sinful nature. Are we together? We're running out of time. Uh, what's the next verse, please, Lona? Can I just read this? We're nearly finished. For if you keep on following it, you will perish. In other words, if you keep on doing what your sinful nature urges you to do, you will perish. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you turn from it and its evil deeds, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children, adopted into His family, calling Him Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. Okay. It feels to me like we're going to keep going with this so that we can understand what does it mean to be children of God and how do we, how do we overcome? How do we change in our behavior and in our walk and in our lives? And I want to encourage you, it's not going to be all easy. And it's not going to be without its failures. It doesn't mean we will never sin again. No, we are fallible. But the trajectory, the path, the route that we follow as we hear the Holy Spirit and obey, and hear the Holy Spirit and obey, and repent when we stumble, and get up and follow Him, will be up and up and up and up, and lighter and lighter and brighter and brighter. Does that make sense? Okay. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have your Holy Spirit living within us. Thank you that we are no longer dominated by the enemy. 
That even though he's prowling around like a roaring lion, like Nozzy said, we don't have to listen to him. That we can resist him standing firm in our faith. And that we can overcome. Not by our power, but by the power of your spirit. Father, thank you. Thank you, Daddy God, that we are your children. We belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I would love to give an opportunity for anyone who's here who knows that they haven't moved yet from this camp into the family of God. Can I ask, please, that we all just close our eyes one more time? You've heard this morning this wonderful good news that Jesus Christ wants you to belong to him. And he wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Even though we are guilty of sin, he wants to forgive us and cleanse us and wash us. Like Bjorn said, he wants to unchain our lives and to cleanse us with his pure water. And if you're here today and you can feel in your heart, I need Jesus. Today is the day to give your life to him. Today is the day to finally belong to him. And if that's you, I would like you to pray with me as I pray now. Just pray this prayer. Father God, let's all pray together. Father God, I believe in you. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking the punishment for me and for my sins. Please forgive me of my sins and wash me clean. I want to belong to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.